What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Today we had on Kira Onesco, who is a certified personal trainer and holds a Bachelor of Science in Exercise Science. She entered the fitness world during the days where skinny tees and bikini competitions dominated social media clearly can't speak today. Um, but because of that, she spent several, several of her years feeling never satisfied with her body, always chasing the workout and eating habits that she thought would lead her to an air quotes, healthy place. And as a result, developed a lot of disordered eating habits, a terrible relationship with food and her body. Now she has completely recovered from that. And she dedicates her entire career towards teaching people how to find joy and exercise without letting it consume their lives and how to fight back from the constant messaging, both on and offline, that tells us that our bodies aren't good enough. Um, It was such a privilege to have this conversation with Kira. She's someone who I felt like I personally knew just because we DM so much on Instagram, and she has just such a refreshing take as a non-diet certified personal trainer. You'll hear me use Um, CPT in this episode. And that's what we're talking about. She's a certified personal trainer, but completely dedicated her work to the non-diet space. So there is no emphasis on how somebody's body looks or their aesthetic or their measurements. And it's all about how does it feel when we move our body? And and like her bio says, bringing that joy back to movement. Now, I wanted to also preface as we're entering holidays and new year. Um, The messaging really ramps up about new year, new you. This is it. This is, you know, 2022 is going to be your year. Um, Get the gym membership, do the diet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to just encourage you that if you feel overwhelmed by this messaging, or if you have really thought about, you know, subscribing to some kind of weight loss challenge, gym, something, to just step back and say, how has that served you in the past, right? Where has that gotten you thus far? And if you're curious about creating and cultivating more of a joyful relationship with movement, then I think you're going to really, really like this conversation. Um, there's a lot of great tips in here that, that Kira talks about. And then she also shares her personal story. And I think it's so important um, when you have a specific lived experience to when you're working with someone that you want to make sure that they understand your lived experience. And so 
Uh, Kira does a great job of breaking down her story and then just giving some really helpful tips of how we can find more joy and movement and how the verbiage and how we speak about movement is so, so important. So with all of that being said, if you are ready to have a more joyful, peaceful relationship with movement, then let's hop in and learn more. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. I am so freaking excited today. Unfortunately, Jenna's not with us, but we do have Kira Onisco, who we love because she is a non-diet personal trainer. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Kira. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Yes. And like I said to you off air, like, I feel like you have been one of the biggest supporters of our podcast and fine food freedom. And I just, I'm so appreciative when we have people sharing our content and just like you and I share many different creators, like it just helps get this message into the hands of people who need to hear it. So we absolutely appreciate you. And I, we like to start our conversations here of just, if you can let us know, like, how did you get into this space of, you know, your Instagram bio says non-diet fitness. Were you always doing non-diet fitness? Like how did you get to where you are today as a non-diet CPT? For sure. Absolutely did not start off like this. Um, I don't know if there are many trainers who are similar to me who did start off. So very similar story to a lot of people. Um, I had always been very active throughout high school. I was a gymnast. I really loved sports. And I think what's very typical when you get away from high school sports and you're not in organized sport anymore is that you kind of lose yourself uh, in movement and in fitness. And it takes you a little while to get back into that. So I had a period of time where I wasn't as active as I typically was and really started to miss that part of my life. Um, and at the time, you know, you go to social media to see how to get fit. You look at uh, certain people, you're following them, you're looking up to them. And I, at this point, didn't have any training or education fitness. So I just saw, you know, what was online and just figured this is what you do to get fit, to get in shape, to get healthy. And I really had no idea that those behaviors actually could be causing more harm than good. So this was probably close to about 10 years ago now. So it seems weird that there's social media all the way back then, but still was. And it was very, uh, in a lot of ways, very different, but unfortunately, a lot of ways, very much the same to how it is now, uh, the social media scene back then. So, so lots of bikini competitors, fitness models, um, eating clean seemed to be, you know, what everybody was talking about, very heavy on uh, tracking, measuring, counting. And I fully threw myself into that. I think for people who are competitive, who are very big into sports, they can kind of really take on that role in a different way when they get into fitness, just kind of recreationally. Um, and it was really years. It kind of took me years of going down that path of really starting to have a negative relationship with food. My uh, relationship started to suffer because there was the fear of going out and eating at places that maybe you weren't familiar with, uh, all of that sort of thing that I know so many people can relate to so much. And, 
yeah, it took, it took a few years. It's definitely a long process as I'm sure a lot of people can relate to as well. Not an overnight journey and a lot of kind of small steps to get away from that mentality. And something that I found to be really helpful is around that time, uh, I was primarily doing like, you know, you do your cardio machine for however many minutes, you maybe do a little bit of weights, but you're very much like working out to burn calories. You're working out to look a certain way. Um, and it wasn't really any emphasis on what your body is capable of. It's very aesthetic focused. And that's that, that bodybuilding culture that was really uh, kind of permeating the fitness scene at the time. Um, and thankfully, I, I got away from that a little bit when I started getting into CrossFit, uh, which you know isn't without its own issues there. But it, it started to teach me what my body was capable of. Uh, more so than what it, what it could look like. So, and that was really taking me back to my gymnastics days. You know, there's lots of gymnastics, you know, kind of related elements. Um, and, you know, there's no mirrors in the gyms typically, which, which is a really helpful thing. Um, but, uh, you know, the big negative thing there is, is the culture around CrossFit. And this could be like a whole conversation on its own, but, uh, you know, the dieting piece is very much still there. So, that was really um, preventing me from, from moving away from that. Uh, still an emphasis on what a, a quote unquote fit body looks like. Um, but I really enjoyed the weightlifting aspect of it. Running, like not for me, I could just <laughs> get away from the running for sure. But the weightlifting, I really, really enjoyed because um, it was very reminiscent of like the technique and gymnastics. So I actually got away from a CrossFit style gym and went to a Olympic weightlifting only gym. And I think that was like the next piece of the puzzle that really helped me improve my relationship with exercise because we were still training hard. We we're still, you know, pushing ourselves to see what our bodies are capable of, but the members would also love to bring like fun treats that they had found that day, or maybe someone went somewhere and they were bringing donuts or cupcakes. And up until that point, I really had this idea in my mind that you work out and you eat healthy and that's it. And that those two worlds can't coexist when in reality, they absolutely can. You can enjoy movement, whatever that means for you. And you can also enjoy all the types of foods that you want to. Um, and that's definitely not something that was ever happening in the other fitness spaces that I was in before. Maybe there were treats, but they were like, who even knows what were in those? <laughs> like some, I don't even know what, black beans and not, not, the, not all the good stuff, that's for sure. Um, so that really helped me to step away from that mentality. Uh, but even then, it was still probably another another few years until I really started to get on track with the idea of uh, you don't need to try and control your body size. You don't need to be super strict around what you're eating. And again, that's just, I think, part of the journey as well. Um, and I remember I went to school for uh, exercise science. And again, like I'm sure with your education as well, there's just so many aspects of it where there's just so much further that they can go in terms of uh, talking about the dangers of, of intentional weight loss and, and dieting and all that kind of stuff. But I had one class that was an elective. So if I had never been to this class, I don't know when I would have first heard this, but uh, there was a presenter 
like a guest speaker that came in to talk about health at every size. And I just remember being like, what is this person talking about? I was like, just gobsmacked. And it's kind of embarrassing to uh, think about now, but I think it's also important to let people know that like you can, you can start off from being very uh, not on board and then slowly start, you know, the, the, blinds start to open um, and you're able to to see what's going on but uh, that was my first kind of um, instance of of learning about that but at least it was able to open my eyes to to other possibilities and I'm yeah very grateful for for that experience and then from then on slowly you know it's a very slow process but uh, the more and more that I learned about it um, you know, there's so many great pieces of work that are so helpful accounts and podcasts like these, and, uh, it's really just been like life-changing really. That's amazing. And that's, I, I know myself and Jenna have a pretty similar story to yours of like what we were taught in school and what we learned about in our education was very weight centric. And I, that's amazing. You had a health at every size speaker, because for us, like I never even heard about that until probably like three years ago. And it's just, like you said, it's a slow process and it's, it's something that is, it's so important to share how you've learned and have shifted and grown because I think so many people have so much shame as providers and trainers and health professionals. Uh, like once they learn this, like, like they did all this harm, but like, that's what we were taught. And it's okay. And, but once we learn more, like, right, we learn better, we do better. And yeah. that's exactly what you've been doing. And so you have a post here I wanted to share. I, I loved um, your relationship with food and exercise will be forever strained if changing your body is your main goal. Ask yourself, what, or would you rather have the ideal body or an ideal life? And I think that is such an amazing post. So I would love for you to kind of talk about the inspiration behind that post. And, or I know we talked off air, you have a wedding coming up like very soon, how this kind of fits into that, because I feel like there's such a big shedding for the wedding air, heavy air quotes, like mentality. So whether you want to put a bridal spin on that or not, I feel like it all just kind of connects. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a big piece of that is that so many of us have this idea that if our bodies look different, if they looked a certain way, that we would be so much happier. I know so many of us have had uh, that the experience of, of quite the opposite. Um, and we know there's so much great research that shows the more focused you are on changing your body, on those aesthetic goals, like I mentioned earlier, on trying to look a certain way, actually your, your self-esteem really plummets. Um, and there's so many different, so many different aspects of that, that become so harmful to your self-image, to your self-worth, uh, and really, you know, what I was talking about earlier about getting away from the aesthetic side of fitness into more of what your body's capable of, or even just how movement makes you feel. It's just amazing how much better you can feel about your body. And that's one thing that I really try to, uh, teach my clients is that, you don't need to have a new body or a different body to, to appreciate the body that you have now and really your fitness experience, uh, your relationship with food, everything becomes so much more positive when that's not 
at the forefront of your brain at all times. And I don't know if there's a way to be trying to change your body that isn't going to affect both food, both your relationship with food and, uh, and your sense of self too, because it's just like this constant reminder that you're not good enough, that your body's not good enough. And that something needs to change. And from my experience, anyways, it wasn't, there was never like a, an ending point. So I would have whatever the type of goal was that was related to, to changing something about my body. Maybe that would happen or I would get close to that. And it was never good enough. There was always something, always something else that needs needed tweaking or adjusting um, and it really takes the focus away from from what's going on inside uh, and it puts it all all outward and that uh, really does a lot of damage to to our self-esteem absolutely absolutely and so let's pull that over into the wedding world I couldn't agree more with what you said there I, I really don't think there is a way that you can like intentionally restrict and change your body Mm -hmm. and not damage your body image and and your self-perception. So when we think of weddings and brides, there's so much emphasis on how a bride looks on that day, which just speaks volumes to our Mm -hmm. culture and, and all these things. So how has it been for you now being a bride and and leading up to your wedding, we had another dietitian on here, Emily from we all eat um, nutrition and she was like pre-wedding. So she covered like kind of the food aspect. So if you can cover like Mm -hmm. the fitness aspect of like being a bride and, and how, how much more I'm assuming enjoyable it's been for you having this mindset versus maybe Kira. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that just speaks to how happy I am to be away from that because I could not imagine still being stuck in in the diet kind of mindset while also trying to plan this wedding and and get ready for the event it's stressful I'm sure you remember obviously it's stressful enough as it is uh you know just everything going on uh, plus everything going on in the world and then on top of that adding in all of the stress of trying to look a certain way feeling like you're not good enough, feeling like you don't look good enough. Um, And you need to remember that dieting and uh, exercising to intentionally try and lose weight is also stressful on your body. So it's like this compounding stress. Uh, And this is supposed to be, you know, one of the happiest days of your life. And the lead up to it is just filled with self-doubt and feelings of not being good enough. And the image that we have in our minds of what we think we should look like or what we think we want to look like uh, is just not realistic. And there's no another thing that I think it's really important to, to uh, mention and something that I think a lot of trainers who are in the space of getting brides ready for the day is this idea, this, this false idea people have that you can easily just mold your body into whatever there's a fly you could easily mold your body into whatever shape you want. And we know that it's simply just not true. Your body is the way that it looks for a reason. And you're not like a chunk of clay that you can just mold into whatever you want. Um, And even if that were the case, there's so many ramifications around what dieting will do to your relationship with food again, negatively impacting your mental health. Um, And it's just not guaranteed. Like we know that there's many, many people 
will not be able to sustain that weight loss. Majority of people will gain it back and more so we, we all know this and there's no way of knowing when that trajectory is going to kind of happen. So and that's another reason why we really want to stay away from, from the shredding for the wedding or, you know, the purposely buying a smaller gown to try and fit into it, um, all of that kind of stuff, because it's just, it's just not in our control. And there's so many other things, more important things that we can put our time and energy into. I cannot agree more. And I think it's important to like, say like so many people hear this message and they're like, so you, so you're saying I just shouldn't work out. And it's like, nobody <laughs> said that. <laughs> um, and I think it comes back to, you know, we talk a lot about with food, like, okay, what's the intention behind your eating experience, right? And it's the same thing with our relationship with movement. Like what's your intention behind the movement? Because if it's constantly mm-hmm. punishment, calorie burning, burn it to earn it, shrink the body, it's torture. Yeah. But if you're going to these workouts, whether it's pre-wedding or not, right. And it's relieving stress and you enjoy it and it's fun mm-hmm. and it's social. Those are all super, super positive things. And so I just wanted to add that only because I, as I'm sure you get all the time on your posts, like, you know, if you post something like that, then people are going to be like, oh, so I just, I shouldn't move my body then. And it's like, <laughs> yes. never said no. that. Uh, and there can be great, great, great benefits Mm -hmm. from movement, but just like we talk about with food. Yeah, sure. There can be great benefits from nutrient dense food, but if you have guilt and shame and morality tied to Mm -hmm. food or movement, we need to dig in there first. So then we can enjoy that movement. And that kind of message is all over your page, but I'm only reiterating it here for listeners, just in case it's their first time kind of hearing something like this. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's unfortunately, it's not something, I mean, it's getting a lot better, but it's still not something that is widely discussed in fitness. Like I love uh, the non-diet uh, dietitian space. There's such a huge movement and community, but fitness is, is not quite there yet. Um, and it's very, very frustrating to see because people are going to hear the loudest voices, if you know what I mean. They're, they're going to see the biggest pages. They're going to uh, go towards what they're hearing the most. And that's that, you know, look, look your best on your big day or be the best version of yourself. And it's like the best version of myself isn't necessarily the thinnest or the more muscular or whatever it is that, that you're going for. And I really like how you reiterated the intention. And that's something that uh, regardless if someone is having a wedding coming up, uh, that's always something that I really try and focus on is the, the intention behind why we're, why they're doing that type of exercise, why they're forcing themselves to do something that they don't enjoy, um, and really trying to focus more on burning stress rather than burning calories, burning fat, uh, that kind of stuff that we hear way too often. It's actually very damaging. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure I'm, I'm, pretty positive because you're in this space as well. It's so easy as a non-diet medical health professional to feel burnt out and to feel like you're saying all these things and nobody's listening. But I think that I was, I forget if it was a student I was talking to the other day, but we were talking about how like we do this work And we probably won't ever get to experience a world where this is the norm, 
but we do this work. So hopefully someday there, there are generations where like when they hear that, like you can enjoy movement and, you know, engage in movement that isn't to shrink your body. They'll be like, oh yeah, no shit. But they, and then they're going to look back at the messages around fitness right now and be like, what the hell were they doing in 2020 and 2021, you know? And it's, it's so much easier said than done though, because obviously Mm -hmm. we're in this space because we want to help people and we just want the best for people. But, um, it's unfortunately going to probably take a while to get there, but your work is so important and it's so needed. And, um, we're just so grateful that you're in this space. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So one of my last questions I have for you is I, I think we all have like traumatic experiences of being at a workout class or being somewhere where they're like, okay, now you can earn your pizza or, you know, now you earned whatever and all the like burn it to earn it kind of stuff. So I would love to hear from you, like when you're training clients, when you're working with clients, like what is the importance of verbiage that you use around mm-hmm. movement or like, what are some, like everyone has like their go-to things they say, like, what are your favorite like things to say when you're motivating people? Cause I think it can just be so fun and uplifting and hopefully be like a mantra for people listening. Yeah, absolutely. So just what you're saying about uh, the verbiage that can be very traumatic for a lot of people, like definitely we're staying away from like the slimming, the toning, the, the burning, the firming, um, that was a little bit of a rhyme there at the end, <laughs> but all of that kind of stuff, uh, is so commonplace that a lot of people might not think twice about it, but it's almost like, um, what's the word I'm looking for where it's just like under the surface of, you don't really realize how that affects you and, and how that makes you feel about your body. So we're definitely staying away, uh, from that terminology. Really. I'm not making any comments about the person's body, even even if it were something that was meant to be maybe positive, like, oh, for example, you know, a lot of people might, a lot of trainers might comment on someone looking more muscular or someone looking a little bit different. And I think, again, that really, that places the focus on the outward physical when, when we really want to be getting away from that. So it's more so, uh, and something that I really, that I really love to implement is the use of performance goals over aesthetic goals. So again, I, I talk a lot about this of seeing what your body is capable of. So we do, uh, you know, little kind of fitness testing to see if you can do more push-ups or you can do more squats or you can lift more weight or whatever, whatever the case may be for that client. Um, and just really congratulating them on pushing themselves, seeing what their bodies are capable of, uh, maybe doing something that they never thought that they could do before. And all of those things really have nothing to do with what their body is looking like. And again, I think that really helps to take people away from that uh, physical outward centered idea that so many people have about fitness. I love that. I love the really focusing on what your body is capable of. And so as we're nearing the end of this episode, so for listeners that feel like they have a really negative relationship with movement right now, and they feel like a lot of their emphasis is on shrinking the body or burning to earn food, et cetera, and they want to take steps to move into this like joyful movement area, 
what, what do you want them to know? Like, what is one of the most important things if you're speaking directly to that person, if they remember nothing else from this episode, what would you want them to hear? I think what's really common when people have had negative experiences with fitness is that they take a break. And, and a lot of times uh, it's encouraged to take a little bit of a break and a step back from, from that type of uh, movement or even movement in general. Um, and then there could be a feeling of like, being lost like oh like what am I supposed to do for movement now like I used to be so hardcore and now it just none of it speaks to me um and I would suggest trying to go back kind of like into your childhood of like what were the types of activities that you really enjoyed before all of the diet culture bullshit complicated things so maybe that was like a team sport for me it was gymnastics it could be you know volleyball whatever the case may be something that you enjoy doing that you really had no focus on your body while you were doing it. And for a lot of people, this is like quite early in childhood because we know that the diet culture messages come, you know, earlier and earlier around fitness um, and food, obviously. So what did you enjoy doing that was physical before everything got fucked up? <laughs> and can you implement that into your life now? Maybe you're joining a rec league of whatever the organized sport was. For me, like I could do like adult gymnastics or there's even, you know, types of activities that kind of mimic whatever your passion was as a kid, whether it's dance classes, whatever the case may be. But I would also suggest making sure that whatever that activity is, you know, if, if there's an instructor leading it, um, making sure that they're aligned with, with your values when it comes to uh, wanting to step away from that toxic fitness culture, because if you're still in that space and you're still having those influences, it's going to be very difficult to uh, get out of that mindset. Yes. I think that's such an amazing question of like, what do you actually enjoy? The amount mm -hmm. of times that people hear that question, or I ask people that question, they're like, I have no idea because I've been living 20 plus years of my life doing things I thought I had to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's such a great place to start. Um, so for anybody listening who they, they want to find you, they want to learn more, just let them know where's the best place they can find you. And if you have anything going on right now, you want them to know about. Yeah, for sure. So Instagram best bet, uh, just at Kiro Nisco, not on the TikToks or anything like that. It's just, it was just too much. It's too much. Um, yeah. So Instagram and I have a on-demand workout video subscription that I like call a, a diet culture free zone. So exactly what I was talking about before, no emphasis on changing your body. Um, we just do fun, quick workouts you can do in the comfort of your own home, minimal equipment. And there's also a great Facebook community where people who are trying to get away from that toxic fitness culture can support each other. And um, I have a good friend who's also a non-diet registered dietitian. She comes onto the group as well to answer uh, the nutrition piece and the intuitive eating piece, which is, as we know, such a big piece of the puzzle as well. Awesome. So if you could just let them know, what is your Instagram? Where is the, where is that? Uh, at Kiranisco is the handle. And then the uh, my membership is called fit from home. 
which is awesome. probably something I should have mentioned. Yeah. Well, it's so <laughs> that's just on my website. In my- <laughs> I totally get it. Cause we're just talking about those things all the time and we will definitely make sure to link those. Yeah, you, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. We will definitely make sure to link those in the show notes for listeners. Um, and that way they will be able to find them and get all the resources they need if they want to have a more peaceful relationship with movement. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Kira. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun.